Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind. For the safety of you and others, please make sure all hands, feet, and arms remain inside. And please watch your children. And now, let the show begin. Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind, a show dedicated to the love of animation and feeling like a kid again. Let's go back in time to when cats defended Third Earth. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. A masked duck protected the streets of St. Canard. I am the terror that flaps in the night. And knowing was half the battle. Yo, Joe! Let's go back with Saturday Morning Rewind and your host, Tim Nidell. Hello, hello. Welcome to a brand new episode of Saturday Morning Rewind with your host, Tim Nidell. Make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Saturday Rewind. And my personal one is at Tim underscore Nidell. I have a good one for you guys today. It's the return of Brett Iwan the official voice of Mickey Mouse. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, we'd go if we could, but we're looking for Prescott. And this is a live interview that I conducted at FanX, um, taking place in Salt Lake City. It was a couple years ago now. I recorded it, and actually it was my first time listening to it when I was editing it just now. I meant to release it right away, but honestly... I don't think I've really even told anybody about this. Um, your family knows, of course. But I almost died of COVID about a week after doing this interview. And I just did not get around to releasing this episode. But it's finally going to be out there. And it's a good one. Brett, I got to say, he is easily one of the nicest, sweetest like most sincere, down-to-earth voice actor you will ever talk to. I'm not just saying that. I am being for real. So if you ever catch him at a convention, go to his table, get an autograph, chat with him. He is one of the greatest guys I've honestly ever met. So it was just a blast having him back on the show and uh, getting to hang out with him shortly after the uh, interview that I conducted there at FanX. So hope you guys enjoy that. But before I play it, I do want to give a big old shout out and a big old hug to the uh, producers of this episode. Thank you so much, Alan Dragon, Luis Carlos Alvarez, Gemma Bright, TJ Garvin, and our brand new producer, Joel Stoneburner. You guys are amazing. Thank you for sticking around. I really did not mean to go inactive for so long. I've had a series of very major family emergencies ever since um, around November-ish. Um, it's kept me away from the podcast until now. Um, did not mean to not produce new episodes, but these family emergencies were major, and I just did not have the chance, um, nor I, I lost, you know, some willpower, some... Uh, I just wasn't motivated to get out there and produce new episodes, but I'm back. Things are things are going all right. I'm back. So um, thank you guys for sticking along with the show. 
And if you're listening and you want to help us out as well, become a Patreon supporter right now and you'll become a producer of the podcast or an executive producer of the podcast. Just go to our website, SaturdayMorningRewind.com and go to the donation page and you can find out all the information. This is Doofus here from DuckTales. We interrupt this program to bring you this very important interview from Saturday Morning Rewind. I know Huey, Dewey, and Louie like it too. Well, hi, everybody. It's great to be here in Salt Lake City. <laughs> I was wondering if you were able to do the voice. Well, I'm, is I'm able, kind of... but legally. No, that's <laughs> what I was wondering. Because <laughs> I had um, Corey Burton on the podcast. And uh-huh. He was like, I don't know if I can do any voices right now. Yeah, well, legally. It's a, it's, you know, it's a discretionary thing. It's, you know, I'm not going to conduct the whole panel in Mickey's voice because... <laughs> One, I'm already losing my voice, and that would be a surefire way for me to lose it completely. And two, Disney might not be too happy with that, so. (laughs) But we are, right? That's right, that's right. All right, Brett. Where do we start? Uh, You tell me. Oh, gosh. You're asking the person that's, like, sleep-deprived and... uh, So you've been voicing him since 2009? Since 2009, yeah. So I'm going on, what... It was June of 2009, so I guess it's 12, a little over 12 years now. What month is it? September, right? Yeah. So. Well, speaking of, you had a birthday. I did. You Just turned. last Friday. It feels like it was three months ago, but it was last Friday. 39. 39. I'm in my last year of my 30s. It's so sad. Are you one of those, <laughs> are you one of those people who dreads turning 40? No, actually, 40, for whatever reason, doesn't seem... I actually have a problem with odd-numbered years. So 39 is kind of like, meh. 40, I'm like, well, that seems comfortable. Like, it's nice and round. I think I'll be okay with that. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I'm inconsistent with my feelings towards birthdays. But um, I, as I said on this birthday, it's like, and this is cheesy, but you know, I went to blow some candles and make a wish, and I legitimately did not know what to wish for because my life is just perfect right now. I feel I'm very blessed. I've had a lot of... Great things happened in my life, especially over the past two years. Um, and so I just, you know, I'm, birthdays are a great time to reflect. And I just found myself reflecting, thinking, wow, I am such a lucky guy. Yeah, so, absolutely. So 39 is a good year, and I'm sure I'm hoping 40 will be even better. Well, happy birthday, buddy. Thank you. Thank and you so I see we have a microphone down the middle, so at some points I'm going to ask for some fan questions. So start thinking about that. I guess if you guys want to start lining up, Throughout the uh, panel, I can call on you guys. So let's, let's kind of start off with the beginning then. Sure. How did you become the official voice of Mickey Mouse? Well, um, it's not your typical story for voice actors or anyone in Hollywood, actually. I was an artist. I went to school for art. Um, I grew up dreaming of being a Disney animator. I learned to draw by drawing Mickey Mouse. I watched all the classic cartoons. And my dad and I would pause the, the, ta- the VHS tapes the videos and we'd draw the characters and so at a very early age I was fascinated with Walt Disney um, his story of, of where he came from and, and how he, he built everything he did and and Mickey kind of came along with that you know Mickey really represents Walt um, and I think at a very young age I, I realized that and so Mickey was always my number one I was always yeah. a huge Mickey fan um, uh, and so I was inspired by Walt's story and I wanted to be a part of that you know, creative environment. I wanted to be an artist. And so I 
very early on set my sights on professional illustrator slash animator route and I, I, I went to art school um, because they had an internship with Disney. Um, actually, when I was about, I always forget how old I was, I think I was seven or eight, um, I grew up just you know, a few miles down the road from the Walt Disney Studios and one of my favorite things to do was just drive past the Disney Studios because I was that kid that grew up watching vintage Disney, tele like the Disneyland television show or, or you know, any of the, the Mickey Mouse Club and Spin and, Martin, Spin and Marty and, and you know, sometimes you get a glimpse inside Walt's studio and so for me just driving around the perimeter of it was exciting and I would ask my mom like can we just drive around the studio and of course, you know, a mom of four boys, the last thing she wanted to do was get in the car and just drive around a place, but occasionally she would um, humor me, and on one of those trips she said, you know what, why don't you write a letter to the studio and see if they'll, you know, hire you to serve coffee to the animators or sharpen their pencils, and, and I just thought, like, first of all, as a side note, I have very supportive parents and I've always attributed so much of where I've gotten in life to having parents who believed in me at a very early age and, and encouraged things like that. You know, they didn't shoot me down and say, that's ridiculous, you should focus on this. My mom was always somebody who was like, yeah, why not, try it. Um, and it served me well to this day. But um, that night I got home and I, I pulled out the typewriter because this was in the 80s and I typed up my letter and mailed it in and months went by and eventually I got this this very thick envelope in the mail and it was sent from the Walt Disney Studios in Florida, which kind of threw me off because I had mailed the studios in, in Burbank, California, but nonetheless opened it up and somebody at the studios had taken the time to respond to little eight-year-old me and wrote me this very detailed letter that was like, you know, encouraging me how exciting it was that I wanted to do this and here are the steps you should take, here are the books you should read, draw every day, here's an example of a portfolio from a Disney wow. animator, here are the schools you should consider going to. And honestly, that was my blueprint for my career. I, I picked one of those schools, I set my sights on that and I uh, went to school in Florida, at Sarasota, um, a school called Ringling College of Art and Design. Um, yeah, and so I, I pursued that art thing full speed ahead. Um, and then as one does, you go to college and you learn a little bit more about the field you're interested in. And I, I was still interested in animation, but computer animation was really the thing back then. It was really revving up and I was more inter interested in traditional animation. So I started thinking about theme park design and a long story longer, I ended up um, getting a job with Hallmark Greeting Cards. So I was a professional illustrator at Hallmark for five years. And at the, around the, my fifth year mark, actually like a month before I celebrated my anniversary, my friend I went to school with, who is still a Pixar animator, sent me an email. And the email outlined the audition process that was taking place to find an understudy for the voice of Mickey Mouse. So at the time, Wayne Allwine was the voice. He'd been doing it for 32 years. He's the Mickey I grew up on. I'm sure so many of you did as well. Um, he was having some difficulties due to his health, um, which were preventing him from doing, performing Mickey as often as they needed him to. So they said, well, let's look for an understudy. And just because, you know, the story of Mickey, um, coincidentally, the voices had all come up from the studio. So you got Walt Disney being the creator and, and the first voice of Mickey. And then you have Jimmy McDonald, who was a sound effects guru on the studio lot. He was the second voice of Mickey. And then Wayne Allwine, the third voice, actually worked with Jimmy in the sound effects department. He was his apprentice. So, nice little tradition of finding someone within the studio. They send out this email, 
the subject line is, do you want to be the voice of Mickey Mouse? They outline the process. My friend gets it. She goes, you know what? Brett's a huge Disney fan, specifically Mickey. And he, she knew I did Mickey's voice because we went to school two hours away from Disney World. Annual pass holders, we'd go up all the time. And, you know, what do you do? The first thing you walk through the gates, you go, oh, boy. So my friends all knew I did Mickey's voice. Um, I knew I could say, oh, boy, but that's about the extent of what I knew I could do. Um, Anyway, you get an opportunity like that and, and you just kind of go for it. I thought, why not? I had no aspirations of being a voice actor. I truly didn't know anything about the industry, but I knew Mickey and I knew Disney and I knew the legacy and I thought even if I have the chance to say I auditioned to be a part of it, yeah. it would be a cool story. So that is how I, how I got it. It was you know, an audition process after that unfolded and months went by. Eventually they said, you're the guy. I'm glad, I'm glad they did that. Now, you mentioned you. Wayne Allwine, who was yes. before you. You were supposed to be his understudy then, yeah. but you never really had a chance to meet him, did you? No, I didn't because during that audition process, so at one point I was called into the studio and I was one of 10 people they had selected to do what they call in-studio auditions. So we literally were in the studio. Um, I was told that day that Wayne had gone into the hospital. Um, I didn't know what that meant, but um, you know, not necessarily a, a good thing. So as the process unfolded, before they had made their final choice, Wayne actually passed away. And so it was no longer an understudy position. It was they needed to find somebody who could kind of jump into the role wow. right away. So, you know, the added pressure to not only the, the actors who are auditioning, but also to the staff of Disney Character Voices because they really had to make sure they, they chose wisely um, because there was a limited learning curve there. And um, so, yeah, it was a little disappointing, you know, selfishly on my part, because I really did, I was looking forward to, I knew who Wayne was, I, I, I wanted to learn from the guy who had held that torch for so long. So like, like you said, we grew up, we're almost the same age, so yeah. we grew up on Wayne's voice, exactly. Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I mean, Mickey Mouse Christmas Carol was this yeah. thing I looked, before you could just access it anytime you want, thanks to streaming, you know, it would come on on ABC around Christmas time, and I yeah. waited for that day, because I loved that. Um, yeah, and then all the other cartoons, House of Mouse and whatnot that we yeah. that we listened to, and so yeah, it was that was that was a big deal that I didn't get to meet him. But I always say, you know, I was very fortunate to have met Rusi, Wayne's Rusey. wife. Who did you guys know that Wayne Alwyn, the voice, he's actually married Minnie Mouse. Yeah, so Wayne and Rusi were married, and and they were, you know, I can speak to to Rusi. She was Minnie Mouse. Yeah. She was uh, through and through, and and everything I've heard about Wayne is that together they were Mickey and Minnie, and so. I, I'm thankful that I got to know Rusi as well as I did and work with her as long as I did because I really got to know Wayne through her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Which so. I did too. I actually spent two hours with her. Oh my gosh. Um, I think it was maybe three years ago. So a oh, little yeah. bit before she passed away. Yeah, that's fantastic. And she kissed me on my cheek that night and I always oh. remember that. Oh yeah, she was, Rusi was a hugger and a yep. kisser and, and Rusi gave the best hugs and I'll try not to get choked up. I'm thinking about it, but um, she, she was that type of hugger that would give you a hug and it just never ended. She just, she embraced you so tightly and you felt all the love that she was trying yeah. to give you in that moment. And you know, it's like there, the reason you say that, you know, she was, she was Minnie Mouse is because she was, she was everything that character embodied. And when you met her, she was everything you wanted yeah. her to be as the voice of Minnie Mouse. That's like, yeah. I completely agree with that. Yeah. And I see we have our first fan okay. question right there. Yes. <laughs> I knew it was the Swedish show. I have some kind of schizophrenia subject, I mean. <laughs> My name is Joel, 
Hi, Jill. Um, my question is this as a voice actor. In addition to acting and singing, what would you say is the third element to make you a triple threat in voice acting? Would it be like versatility, adaptability, endurance, improv, or, or what? That is a good question, and I'll try to just pick, you know, the one thing. I, I think, um, I don't know what the right word is for it, but the ability to, I mean, you mentioned adaptability, and I think that's part of it, but within being adaptable, it's really being able to be a team player, um, be open to criticism, be open to direction, and, you know, because that is, you know, it's not just me. I don't just get the ability to go into the booth and do whatever I want. I have writers behind me. I have a vocal director. I have a director of the t television show or stage show. So there's several, it's, it's a real true team effort. And I'm going in there and I'm lending one, you know, one thing or maybe a few. I'm lending my knowledge of Mickey, my ability to sound like Mickey. Um, but I'm also working as part of the team. So it's a real back and forth um, relationship in those sessions. And I think you really truly do need to have the ability to, you know, be open to not necessarily always criticism, but, you know, there is some criticism. There's also, you know, you need to be fluid in, in, in the direction that comes your way. So. <laughs> Another question. Some multi-personality there. <laughs> Yes, I, I relate. I was just wondering, Adam, what's your hobby right now outside of work? What's my hobby? Yeah. Oh, I love that question. Thank you. Because I am a firm believer in having hobbies, having interests, having things that go beyond, you know, so many of us get identified by our career. It's like the first question you ask, hey, what do you do? And that's your big label you wear. Um, I am slightly schizophrenic in my uh, pursuit of interests. I have several. My biggest hobby right now are steam trains, um, locomotives. I actually just, uh, I, I'm, I'm building a steam train from the wheels up. Um, are you trying to copy Walt? I, you know what, I, I, that's a compliment, I will say. <laughs> I, I by no means am trying to copy Walt. I actually didn't know Walt was into trains oh, really? until a little bit later on in life. I grew up loving trains. My dad's a big model railroader. All our family vacations centered around trains. From a very young age, I, I was like, I want to have a train someday. So then when I learned that Walt had a train in his backyard, I remember that being like a mind-blowing experience. I was like, Dad, how did you never tell me Walt had a train in his backyard? And he's like, oh, yeah, Walt had a train in his backyard. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. And then I went on to find out that you know, other Disney animators like Ward Kimball and Ollie Johnston were also train fans. And so I just, I, I love that. Um, but yeah, steam trains are my hobby. I actually took a job a couple years ago at a Southern California theme park called Knott's Berry Farm uh, just so that I had, could learn and operate steam trains. And I did that for two years. Um, and oftentimes people would be like, why are you here? And I'm like, because it's fun. I would get up at 3.45 in the morning to be down for a 5 a.m. shift and there's nothing like working with, I love heavy machinery and especially anything vintage. Um, so by extension, my other hobbies are restoration. I, I love restoring old things. I just restored a 1900 chuck wagon that I'm building um, or repairing. And yeah, I love, I love anything vintage and tinkering and stuff like that. But trains are my real hobby. That's awesome. Yeah. Another question? Hey, bud. Hi. Um, I just, one of the things that I wanted to do is just, 
I can do Mimi Kate's voice. You can? Will you do it for me? Okay, well, here we go. It's a voiceover challenge. Gosh, I've been looking for you all day. You left the stove on, buddy. Can you do Donald? Okay. You're just multi-talented. We'll be coming to your panel next year. And now it's time for my question. Oh, oh you have a question, too. Sorry, say the first part of that again. It's hard to hear. What was your first movie? Oh, my first movie. Well, um, I mean, I have done several like two-hour specials. I, I guess you can call them movies. I don't remember necessarily what the first one was. I have a really bad memory. The blessing of this role is that you get to work on so many different things that after a while, they all blur together. <laughs> um, but, let me see, I'm trying to think now. What would have been the first movie I did? You know, there's been a lot of, I, I was on season three and four of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, and I know we did some two-hour specials then. Um, I can tell you that there's some upcoming movies um, centered around holidays that are coming out as part of the uh, Mickey Mouse Mix-Up Adventures world. Uh, we did a Halloween one that I think is coming out soon, and then that's going to be shortly followed by a Christmas one. Um, I think, I know there's other holiday ones. I can't remember what they are, but look for those. Um, but all of them are my favorite, and I'm not lying when I say that. They're all unique and, and different and equally as exciting. Okay. You like that answer? Yes. Great. Thank you. Thank you. The new Mickey Mouse one day, folks. Yes, yeah, so yeah, Mickey number four, five. <laughs> yeah. Like, now, there is a question that I asked you on my podcast, podcast a couple years ago. You okay. just mentioned it kind of meshing together because you've done it so many times. Have you had a dream about Mickey at all? Since you're around oh, Mickey you did Mouse. Ask, I yeah. you asked me that. Yeah. I have never dreamt in Mickey's voice. I have never dreamt... You know, I think like the closest thing that... So my very first job was working in McDonald's. And I would have nightmares about McDonald's all the time. Like the drive-through was backed up, or the fry machine overflowed, or you know, like the soft serve machine was spilling out. Broken as always. God, like I would have terrible nightmares. You just wake up so stressed, or or a big thing is like I'm late for my job. I think I've had one dream where, oh, actually, I remember now. Okay. Most recently, I did have a dream. It wasn't in Mickey's voice or really anything about it. It was just that I was trying to do. In this Zoom era, I was trying to do a recording session through my phone. Like, the only thing I had was my phone. And my director's like, okay, I need you to say this line. And I would, like, talk like Mickey. And she's like, I didn't hear it. I'm like, I did it. She's like, I couldn't hear you. And so the whole dream was just me trying to be like, no, I'm trying to record. Probably because I've been traveling a lot and I'm stressed out about not being available to go into the studio as often as needed. Yeah. So, stress that's, dreams. Love. That's, a, that's a boring dream. It's a very boring dream. I didn't promise it to be exciting. <laughs> Most of my dreams are boring. My life's the exciting thing. Another question? Uh, yes, hi. Hi. So, one question that came to mind was uh, specifically about Kingdom Hearts. Okay. So, I noticed the feeling of Kingdom Hearts is quite a bit different than something like uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Absolutely. So I'm wondering, how do you approach the same character 
from such like a vastly different um, emotional tone? That's a great question. I think, you know, Mickey is an actor. And so how I approach it is, you know, there's a, there's a core Mickey that, I'm, that kind of is always my go-to base. Um, but then within each of those properties or, or TV shows or video games, Mickey sometimes gets stretched a little bit here or there. And so Kingdom Hearts is a great example of that where, um, you know, if I can say, there's little ears in the room, but he's kind of, he's a, he's a badass in Kingdom Hearts. Um, and uh, so it's, it's just like stretching. Um, you know, you really just get into it and it's like, okay, I know who Mickey is, but in this game or this series, you know, he's playing King Mickey. He's, he's a warrior, he's a fighter, he's got a job to do. He's a little mysterious sometimes too. And so you just approach it in, in that sense. It's like, it's, it's acting again at the end of the day where you just kind of put yourself in a different mindset. Like, you know, Mickey's not looking for shapes. He's there to like kick some butt. So um, yeah, it's, 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 fun. it's fun in those opportunities to stretch. Um, and, and yeah, each, each project delivers a little bit of a different realm from the plan. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Another question? Hi. Hi. Um, <laughs> uh, probably for most of us in this room, Mickey has been a comfort character, like you mentioned for yourself. Um, and for me, for example, Sorcerer Mickey is my favorite. Awesome. Um, so my first question is, who's your favorite Mickey? But besides that, does the pressure of being the most iconic voice in the world ever <laughs> feel really heavy? <laughs> Not at all. Um, I've actually never, I mean, people always ask me what it feels like to be Mickey, but I've never had the question directed so poignantly before. Um, I mean, the, the thing is, being as big of a fan as I am and, and was before stepping into this role, you know, I've always just felt very humbled and honored. Um, and I think those emotions are what kind of rises to the top most of the time. It's just, it's like, I feel so lucky every time I get the call or the email to like come in, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, it's, it's amazing. But the thing that I don't often talk about is there is a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. Um, and a lot of times it's self-imposed, but you know, I, I, I don't want to ever, you know, um, lose the opportunity to continue being Mickey's voice. And so that means like, I gotta be, there's a pressure I put on myself to be top notch when it just comes to vocal qualities. Um, you know, and, 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 and Mickey is, it's, I'm lucky that it's a falsetto voice that comes naturally to me. But like anyone, when you talk too much, or you perform a, a trick voice like that too often, it wears on you. And so, you know, like I do find myself oftentimes when you guys will come up to the table and I know everyone wants to hear Mickey and probably would love to talk to Mickey the whole time. It's really hard for me to talk to Mickey or talk as Mickey for that long. So I, I do find myself having to be a little sele selective and, and, and choosy with how I use it. And I know sometimes that doesn't come across the best way. It's like, why won't he do it? Just talk like Mickey. Um, but it really is, it's about, you know, first respecting the character and just trying to, to I had to, I was at a Comic-Con 
in Lexington last weekend. I was there for three days, but I had to ditch out early on, on that last, the third day because I woke up and my voice wasn't there. And I had to record Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week. Some stuff for the 50th of Walt Disney World and some TV show episodes. And, and you know, it's like, I have to prioritize that. So, so yeah, the, it does get a little, you know, it's like, it, it is, mostly it's all fun, right? It's all fun and games, but then there is that added pressure of, I gotta be top notch if I'm gonna be able to do this and, and, and give Mickey what he deserves. And then in turn, give the fans what they deserve and, and what they expect to hear from Mickey. So, um, yeah, I mean, by no means am I like sacrificing myself. Like my life, is, I'm very honored and I have a lot of fun, but there is some pressure, yeah. I mean, it's Mickey Mouse. It was Walt Disney's character. <laughs> you don't wanna mess that up. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the question. I hope that wasn't too doom and gloom. <laughs> that makes everything better. Um, I I truly do love all the projects equally. Um, they give the opportunity for something different. Video games, I've always thought, is somewhat fun because you know. Cartoons occasionally you'll fall or you're, you'll you do some like effort noises, but video games it's like half of the session usually is like, okay, now you're punching, and so you just do several punches. Ah, 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 ah. Okay, now you're falling. Ah, now you're falling from ten feet. Ah, now you're falling from fifty feet. Ah, now you're hitting the ground. So like that's different. Um, my favorite thing to do, though, between TV shows, video games, or any of the projects I do is the theme parks, um, because I love Disney parks. Um, I was that kid that, like, Disneyland was literally my happy place. I lived for going there. Um, and so it's, there's nothing like being in a Disney park and seeing Mickey and the characters in a, in a show, and then, like, having them come to life with the voice. Um, so I still, I'm like that little kid who gets goosebumps when I see them on stage doing that. So anytime I get to do a park show, I'm like, yay! Thank you. Any other question? Um, switching gears a little bit. Um, okay. We're big fans of, of Justin's card, and we were wondering how you... <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this his panel? No, I love Justin. <laughs> Justin, are you... um, Justin was actually supposed to get married in my backyard in a couple weeks here, um, but... Uh, He's been having some scheduling conflicts, so they're, they're postponing, but he will be getting married in my backyard. Um, I met Justin, funny enough, I just mentioned Knott's Berry Farm. So I was at a Comic-Con in Palm Springs, of all places. It was a very ill-attended Comic-Con. Um, and with Bill Farmer, voice of Goofy, and we were sitting there, um, and I saw Justin, and I knew who Justin was because I was working at Knott's Berry Farm at the time, and the very next day, we were scheduled to have this YouTuber come and do a whole profile on the railroad. So they asked me to be a part of that. That YouTuber was Justin, so that's how I knew him. And I saw him, I was like, that's the guy that's coming to Knott's Berry Farm tomorrow. And so the whole time I'm trying to like get his attention, but the Comic-Con was so dead, nobody was at our tables. So he felt really uncomfortable approaching us. And so he avoided us the whole time. So the day finally comes, it's 5 a.m. at Knott's Berry Farm. I walk around the locomotive, and I'm like, hey, Justin, I'm Brett. He goes. I know you from someplace. I was like, Palm Springs Comic Con. He's like, oh my God, why wasn't anyone at your table? I'm like, well, that's an issue to take up with the con promoters. But anyway, so I met Justin. He did a profile on the Knott's Berry Farm Railway. So if you are familiar with his and you saw when he was driving the trains at Knott's Berry Farm, I was the fireman on the other side that was covering his ears because he blew the whistle, whistle way too loud. 
and I was deaf by the end of the day. Aww. Well, hi, pal. Yeah, Justin, he's a YouTuber, by the way, Justin Scar. I was in one of his videos, by the way. Oh, really? I think it, it was a Periscope, what he used to go on. Oh, yes, I think and that's And so right. I can't find the video uh, now because I think Periscope Periscope's. takes him yeah. away. Uh, yeah, well, maybe we're at this man hanging out. He has his archives, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Another question? Hi, everyone. Hi. Oh, it's yeah. Disney Donna. I know. Ready to swell? <laughs> so, Fred, I wanted to ask you something. Sure. So, um, back in Disneyland, they did a presentation called Mickey and the Magical Map. Were you a part of that? I was a part of Mickey and the Magical Map, yes. Oh, gee. Yes, I was a map maker. Oh, that was so awesome. Yeah, that was a, a fun project, yeah. Oh, my fur. And, and by the way, did you work alongside with Frank Welker and Epic Mickey too? I did. We never worked side by side, but we were on the game together as he was the voice of Oswald. So that was a tremendous honor. I've done a few things with Frank, but he is, you know, crazy talented. So, yes. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for the question. Another question? What's been your favorite experience other than Pokemonics because of maybe like either recording or Oh, I am I am the worst when it comes to favorites. People ask me all the time, "What's your favorite music?" I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> um, and again, it's like I'm so lucky that I've had so many different experiences with Mickey. I was in a situation where I got to meet the first family at one time, um, which was just crazy that I would get to do that. Um, I've been a part of the opening of Alani in Hawaii and the rededication of Disneyland's uh, Disney's California Adventure, which were two cool, epic experiences. Um, but I, I have two memories which are probably the most impactful for me. And one was I was a part of a project where Mickey got to talk uh, to guests on you know live interactions, and it was a program called Mickey's Magic Words or Magic Words with Mickey. I forget. Don't quote me on that. Um, it was in Florida, and we did a lot of work on it leading up to its implementation in the parks. And so I, I was working very, we'll say, I was working very closely with Mickey in those situations and got to be one-on-one -on -one with guests as they met him. So Mickey got to say people's names, he got to talk about their pets, and, and um, you know, I, I already knew how much Mickey meant to people. Um, and as somebody so eloquently put it earlier, he's a comfort character. Um, but in those interactions, I really was able to experience firsthand people's personal stories with the character. And, and you know, whether you're two years old or you're 52 years old, you know, Mickey is Mickey. And it's, it was so amazing to see these adults approach Mickey and just melt into kids again. And, and, and tell him everything from their highs and their lows. And I really remember feeling a great sense of responsibility at that point because it wasn't just me having fun talking like Mickey, um, which I think sometimes is a common misconception when it comes to voice actors behind characters like this. It's, it's really not just about making a funny voice. It's about personifying the character, knowing how the character thinks, how he feels, what he would and wouldn't say. Um, and so I had some really intimate moments with people where they shared like, you know, very heavy things and also very lighthearted things. Um, but that stuck with me because that was a real example of just how powerful a character Mickey is and what his legacy means. The other one, and I've probably overshared this story, but when Phas Phantasmic got redone in Disneyland not too long ago, um, 
you know, I recorded Mickey for that show, which I was a little hesitant about because I loved Wayne's performance in it, and I grew up actually listening to Fantasmic is how I developed the ability to do Mickey's voice. So when I got to do that, it was surreal, but when I got to see it for the first time with my brother standing next to me, who used to put on Fantasmic shows in our backyard with me, we'd spray the hose and shoot off bottle rockets. Um, he put his arm around me and he said, did you ever think that when we were kids doing this that we'd be standing here listening to you over the loudspeakers and I, you know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't bawl my eyes out like a baby. It was a total ugly cry moment. Um, but that's stuck with me because it's, it's those moments, you know, I love Mickey and I love this job, but if there's one thing that I can be known for at the end of my career, it's just encouraging people to follow their passions and to seek out those moments that give you the goosebumps, those full circle moments where you, you wanted something and you worked towards it and, you, and it, it came to fruition. Like those are the moments that fuel me in my life. Um, so moments like that in Fantasmic where I go, gosh, that little boy dreaming of being creative and being a part of the magic is here in this moment now, like that's crazy. Um, and so, yeah, that, that sticks with me because that's, I think that's where my true passion lies is, is just kind of seeing those full circle moments come full circle. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Oh, good question. By the way, they look great on your head because we have the same hairstyle. Um, yeah, thanks, Tim. What's with this tag, by the way? That is the longest tag ever. Um, it's because I wanted to make up for not having hair, so it's like a ponytail. That makes sense. That yeah, makes sense. actually, you're supposed to cut it out. Okay. Yeah, well, I felt bad doing that. No, rip it out. Rip, I think it's illegal to rip it out. I don't think it's like a mattress. Once you're the owner, you can rip the tag off. Um, it's a really long tag. I, I did the the photo shoot for the collection. They had me come down to Disneyland and like model it, and I put that hat on. And I was like, "Who designed this thing? Why does it have a tag?" This one, like, yeah, he did design. As yeah. long as that as well. Too, right? yeah, yeah, this is part of a, sorry, we're going away from your yeah, question yeah. now, but I, I've had the, uh, the chance, the opportunity to design several things for Disney now, whether it's stuff for D23 and their like merchandise, um, or like you asked, the ear hat, and that was so cool. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, people kind of think that because I'm the voice of Mickey Mouse that all these opportunities just like get thrown at me and this is not me trying to brag but that really came about because I <laughs> was at an event where they were announcing the ear hats and I was in the green room with the, the, the head designer I guess the head of the program talking about all these designers who were going to be designing ears and I just kind of leaned over and was like hey you know um, I'm the voice of Mickey and I'm also an artist and it'd be so cool to design Mickey ears and she was like can you do that are you allowed I was like, why wouldn't I be allowed? Um, so anyway, you know, conversations continued and I was given the opportunity. And it was so cool because I thought, like, I, I'm just that fan that goes through Disney parks all the time and looks at the merchandise. And I'm like, I wish it looked like this. And so when you have that moment to do it, it's so cool. Um, but the funny thing is, when you get those chances and then, like, it happens and I'm physically holding a pair of Mickey ears that has my, literally my autograph is on it, is designed by, I'm like, this doesn't feel real. Like, that's not real. Um, and I, I mean, thankfully, I've had a lot of experiences like that where it's like, that's not real, whatever. Um, but it is very cool, very cool, especially since they got to have sound on them, which I thought was, you know, needed to happen. 
But yes, to, to tangent off of that, I was given the chance to design this part of an artist series, this collection called MM Script, which these are all doodles that are inspired by the doodles I do all over my scripts in the recording session. If I have a pencil in my hand, I'm always drawing Mickey. Um, and then the, the writing is my handwriting because I will jot down notes and stuff. So there's the hoodie, there's the hat. I'm wearing a t-shirt underneath there's that I will too, right? not model. Yeah, the backpack and then like a woman's... Ashley has informed me that they're called a meet and greet, which I think sounds weird. Okay. I call it a crop top. She says it's not a crop top. It's like a shorter women's tee. All right. So, or, I mean, I guess guys can wear it too. It's like a mid-drift. Yeah, okay. Is that a thing? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Anyway, let's go on to another question so I stop talking. So you are the fourth official voice of Mickey. Do you feel like all four of you have kept a consistent character, or do you feel like there are four different generations of Mickey? Um, I think, oh gosh, I mean, I feel like someone else should answer that question for me. Um, I'd like to think that we've kept him as consistent as possible. You know, I heard Wayne Allwine say in an interview when he was discussing how he got the role, um, he said that Jimmy McDonald told him, remember kid, you're only filling in for the boss. And so that's what I've tried to remember all this time. It's, you know, it's really less about Brett Iwan and what he's bringing to the character as much as, it, much as it is about what Walt brought to the character and making sure that those character traits are the things that continue. Um, and you know, it's difficult because Mickey is a big character with a lot of people behind him. Like I mentioned, the writers, directors, and all that, you know, marketing, and uh, tons of stuff around him. So um, there's a lot of opinions coming in about the character. So I just try to simplify it in terms of my role as the voice of Mickey. It's just, I oftentimes think back to, you know, if I'm, if I'm faced with something that's like, I don't think Mickey would do that or necessarily say it that way, then what I do is I reference my you know, library in my head, and I go, how would Wayne have said that? Let me think of a thing Wayne did that was similar, or, or how would Walt have done it, you know? Like, did Walt ever perform Mickey in this situation, and how did he approach it? So, really, it's just like, I, I constantly go back to that. So I hope that, in that process, I am keeping it as consistent as possible, you know? Obviously, everyone's voices are a little bit different, and so there will be changes. I mean, I, I can listen and hear, hi! No, I know you meant five minutes. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, I got distracted. I don't think she liked that joke. <laughs> um, yeah, I can hear the differences in all the Mickeys because it's just different voices. But character consistency in terms of integrity and personality, I hope, are the goals. Another question? I need to talk faster. <laughs> I gotta talk slow. I talk too much. My quick question was, um, I just, I like playing with voices, and so I noticed that sometimes during the day when I do something like accidentally slip into like a British accent for a bit. <laughs> so do you ever do that with Nikki where you just like drop something? <laughs> oh, I mean, my, my, ask my friends that. They're the ones who will tell you. They're always like, that was Mickey. Like, I'll just be laughing, you know, like, oh my god. <laughs> like, Mickey. I'm like, what? I, no. Or my dogs are the ones who get the brunt of it, because it's just like, you know, and, and I, before I got cast as Mickey, I was talking to my dog, and you know, you talk to dogs in a cutesy voice, oh, it's so cute, oh, you're a little cute Lily Bell, oh, hi, Lily. And I was tired, and I was like, oh gosh, I'm talking like Mickey. That was before I ever got cast, so <laughs> my dog still, it's like I got a new puppy, and he, his favorite thing to respond to is me going, ollie, 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 ollie. And it's like, that's Mickey, I'm not trying to be Mickey, but, my cute voice is Mickey. Awesome. <laughs> Hi. Uh, just a curiosity, 
Has it always been my favorite? Is that what you said? Um, okay, so I have... It's like a cheat answer for me. This is so hard. Uh, favorites. I, my, my two favorites, and I equate them in the same places, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and Haunted Mansion. That's, that's my I remember talking yeah. to you about this. Yeah. Because, to me, they're quintessential Disney storytelling attractions at their finest. They're original until they threw Jack Sparrow in there, which... Do we need that? I don't think so. Um, you know, they're just, they're unique. They're unique Disneyland experiences that aren't based on a ride, or on a, excuse me, on a movie or a TV show. And I think, you know, that was what Walt was really going after in those, in those parks. And then, if I was to trump those two choices, it would have to be the railroad. Because again, train, nerd, so. Yeah. Thank you. So speaking of the parks, or anywhere really, do you ever bring the voice out? Like, if there's, a, if there's a kid there, do you, do you kind of say things as Mickey, someone see the reaction? Someone asked me that at my table earlier today, and I said, no, and here's why. In those moments when, well, one, I, I want to do everything I can to protect Mickey's character, and, and that's the magic behind him. So, you know, like, it, it, it takes a little bit away when you see it come yeah. out of this bald guy's <laughs> face. Um, and so I want to keep that magic alive for kids, especially, but um, more often than not, if I do the voice out of the context of a Comic-Con like this, people go, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, I've, I've heard better. That guy on the TV show is better. And I'm like, <laughs> Thanks, I'll tell him. Um, so I've, I've learned from my own ego to just not really bust it out all that often yeah. because people just don't realize that it's what I do professionally. Why are you talking to my kid? Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, the last thing I need is to be, you know, labeled as a creeper for being, hi, how are you? No, really, I'm Mickey, it's fine. And you've mentioned your love for Walt, so we will close on this. Okay. If you had the chance to talk to Walt, what is one thing you would want to talk about? <laughs> I'm going to seem like a broken record. I wouldn't want to talk to him about anything at the studio or anything at Disneyland. I would want to talk to him about his workshop. I'd want to know what, because, you know, you asked, somebody asked about hobbies earlier. Walt was a big hobby guy, too. That's where his steam trains came from. He built miniatures. And so I'd want to talk to him about, like, what's on his workbench? What's he working on? I would just want to sit down, have some chili and beans with him, sit in his backyard, maybe have a, you know, a little scotch. You yeah, like to scotch, scotch um, and, and just like hang out. I wouldn't want to talk business. I wouldn't want to talk about, I'd be too intimidated to talk about Mickey. I'd probably keep that a secret from him. Be like, I heard there's this new guy doing my voice. Like, I don't know who that is. So that's, yeah, that's what I do. I just, I would want a low key backyard hangout with Walt Disney. <laughs> well, all right, everybody, please give a round of applause. Thank you. Thanks for putting up with my long answers, everyone. Thank you, Greg. And he's got a table out there to get, go get an autograph, go get a picture. I got a table as well. I know I'm not as cool, but <laughs> I have a podcast called Saturday Morning Rewind. Check it out. I do this. I interview voice actors. Yeah. So. And when I let my beard grow out, we look like brothers. So, you know, you can be my stand-in if I'm done with the table. So long, everybody. See you real soon. Thanks, guys. I haven't done a panel by my... Thanks for listening to Saturday Morning Rewind. Please check them out on Facebook and Twitter. And that's all, folks.